Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <gasps> I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. You built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? This is the Stupid Cancer Show. That's hot. Hello there, children. Hey, hey, kids. People will seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now the host of the Stupid Cancer Show, Matthew Zachary. Monday, February 8th, 2010. And welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. Got cancer under 40 sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show is Calgon Take Me Away, Young Adult Camps and Retreats. In our spotlight, Ewing sarcoma survivor Emily Hobson, Dr. Stuart J. Kaplan, Executive Director of the Children's Oncology Camp Foundation and Camp Make a Dream, and his partner in crime, Beth Jones. And returning champion, Brad Ludden, Cosmo's Sexiest Man Alive for 2008. Young adult cancer advocate and the founder of First Descent, one of our national partners. As a reminder, this broadcast is a program of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, one of the nation's leading grassroots advocates. For nearly 5 million young adults and co-survivors affected by stupid cancer. On the web at i2y.com, we're bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight and sticking it to a system that's ignored us for far too long. Why? Because survival rates and quality of life in young adults have not improved in 30 years. Because remission is no excuse for cure. And because survivorship is all that matters. So hello, my friends, and welcome to another fun-filled, exciting run through the hand tonight. Stupid Cancer Show on a Stupid Cancer Welcome to all of our first-time listeners from First Descent and Can't Make a Dream and all around the world here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Broadcasting live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in New York City, I am Matthew Zachary, a 14-year young adult pediatric brain cancer survivor. Joining us live in the studio tonight, as always... Our fabulous broadcast production assistant, young adult survivor, Amanda Freeman. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me back. Welcome back. How you been? Good. I remember to come over to the microphone ahead of time. She's learning. Stop it. She's learning. <laughs> Joining Amanda and I, we've got our chief cancer anarchist, Jack Buffard. Hello, Jack. Hi, Matt. So now I'm joining Amanda? Yes, you are. What the hell? You get demoted. Next, next week, what? I'll be joining the equipment in the studio? <laughs> yeah. Our microphone. Jack will be monitoring our live, concurrent, interactive chat room, which you can join at stupidcancershow.com. So if you have any issues with the show or questions for the guests, 
executive with Jack. He just might listen. And, of course, please welcome my partner in crime here on the Stupid Cancer Show, officially hailing from the right here in New York City, young adult survivor, acclaimed journalist, former deputy editor of TV Guide, and former entertainment news correspondent for the Fox News Channel, the lovely and talented Lisa Bernhard. Amanda, everybody, you know, I have to say my first, uh, yeah, I'm unfortunately not in the studio tonight calling in, and Jack is a lot funnier from afar. I'm better looking when you can't see me, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is uh, this is great, and I'm so sorry to not see uh, the lovely and talented Jessica Feldman, who I, rumor has it, uh, wife of Matthew Zachary. Is, uh, that rumor's been very... confirmed. She is indeed his wife. Yes, that has been confirmed. <laughs> yes. Well, we have two other uh, in-studio guests that I just want to introduce. Uh, we have actually a First Ascent alum uh, who I met a while ago. She uh, was either working in my building or works near the office and just saw the sign on the wall and stumbled in and said, I'm, I, you know, I had a, a breast cancer. Uh, uh, well, you, you can tell briefly. Diagnosis, Matt. Call it diagnosis. diagnosis. Thank you. This is Lisa Goldman. Hey, Lisa. Hey there. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Enjoying yourself so far? So far, so good. We scaring you away? Definitely. Okay. Then, you, then you're right. All right. <laughs> you well, can sit next to me. Oh, God. And and I was actually surprised to find out that Jack actually has real friends, not just people that, you know, think that he needs an ego boost by being part of I2Y. Uh, right. Jamie, That's true. Jamie Doherty, how, do you, why, how much does he pay you and why do you know him? <laughs> Nothing, not at all. That was not an answer. <laughs> she's she's doing community <laughs> service. She just got out of prison. Okay. And uh, she decided to be <laughs> my friend. Little sister, big brother kind of thing? Well, yeah, but we're not related. Fair. And, and what? Okay. No, I'm saying she's not my little sister. <clears throat> Wait, how do you know each other? I'm, the fact we that actually, you have friends it, it intrigues me that aren't like a Buffard or aren't an eye to white person. Right. Yeah, uh, we actually met through a mutual friend. Okay. So and? I invited her to the show. All right. Spontaneous attendees, we like that. Yeah. That Lisa can take my Lisa chair and cozy up right next to you. Well, she is. She's actually in your chair. No, Le- Lisa's not in your chair. Uh, Jamie's in your chair. Yeah. Jamie? Yeah. Jamie's my friend. Jamie's a girl. It's a full house. And anyway, Jamie's It is a full house. Good. And it's hot. Very warm. <laughs> You're not missing anything. Okay. If you were here, it'd be so much hotter. With lots of women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're surrounded by women. We like it this way. Yep. I'm sure yeah. you do. Fantastic. But no one's bringing me my pizza. I have to go get it myself. Oh, no. Uh, uh. Missed the pizza tonight. Anyway, yeah. guys, so everybody, everybody's doing well? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm good. I, with our, my big news this week, of course, or actually my Jess and our big week is for big news this week. I can't make sentences. Is that we actually felt the babies for the very wow. first time. I'm going to give myself applause for that. Here's applause to our... Our 22 week, 22 and a half week twins for making noise inside mommy's belly. We finally felt them. Very That's exciting. Awesome. Did Very they give exciting. you like a fist? Did they give you like a fist bump through Jess's stomach? I, no, I mean she felt like little. She called it little bubbles inside her for a while, and yeah. then all of a sudden, like last night, she's like, "Oh my god!" And I like I I closed one eye and looked at the horizon of her belly, and like it was moving, and she wasn't breathing. It was just really interesting, really cool. Great. So let me wow. ask you a question. Were you, did you happen to be playing your music at the time with the headphones on Jess's belly, and they were just like, stop, stop, make it stop? Or were they doing the Jersey Shore fist pump in the belly because they really enjoyed your music? The latter. Are you making fun of my music again? No, I love your music, dude. 
I, I rely on your music because when I can't sleep at night, I play it, and it's better than ambient. Fantastic. Isn't that supposed to be great for babies and very soothing? That a lot of women get nice sort of classical music or calming, soothing music up into their stomach when they're when they're pregnant. Isn't that supposed to be good for the baby? I'll put this out to the chat room of the listenership. I've heard two things. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's emotionally satisfying when parents well, then pending parents to speak to their children in the womb and play music for them. And you know, I've heard people tell me. They have such a phenomenal relationship with their children now only because they spoke to them in the womb, you know. But at the other the other end of the spectrum, as I heard, that if you're in a womb, you can't hear anything. It sounds like muffled underwater train passing by. So no matter what you say or do, they have no idea what you're saying. It's like Charlie Brown's teacher? It's Charlie Brown's yeah. teacher, exactly. Right. And that's coming from, like, scientists, you know, that, that, that have done, like, sound resonance testing in, in utero. You can't hear anything. It just sounds like you're um, you're listening to a club music, you know, uh, some some trendy club music underwater. Like, well, maybe they just get a sense of whether it's something that's, you know, soothing or harsh and not, you know, necessarily emotionally. It's just kind of a nice, like a like a nice warm emotional blanket over them, so to speak. If they can't exactly hear everything that's going on. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's good. Um, I have to make a special mention out to the chat room. We love everyone in our chat room tonight, but there's someone special that John Filbert asked me to uh, say hello to. Uh, Catherine Sanders from Dallas, I believe. She's in the chat room tonight. We want to welcome you to the show. We want to welcome you to our community. Uh, it's always amazing when we meet new people, uh, the way that I feel John has met you and you've been introduced to our community. Uh, we wish you love, support, good karma, and I hope to see you back every week. Remind me who John Filbert is again. Yeah, right. <laughs> So anyway, so that was my big news with the <clears throat> with with feeling the twins, and and we're coming up on 23 weeks. It's only Monday, but 23 weeks this Friday, and uh, yeah, it's getting real more than ever. That's amazing. That's amazing. You Better get your sleep some, in now. That's right. That's right. Hey Matt, you've been posting some as you always do, some interesting stuff on your Facebook page and Twitter, and I thought that this um this this report that you posted uh, from the CBS early show, by the way, a last place morning show. Oh, oh my God! I can't believe I just said that. You guys are did you, your series with Jess on that show still? Well, that's another issue. Jess is really gonna. Jess and all the girls who were in the first taping email yeah. each other because the, the the CBS people dropped off the radar. They're not responding to any emails, huh. and all the girls are getting really upset and frustrated that, uh, that they don't know what's going on. And as you know from broadcasting, it's you're always at the whim mercy of the producers who just expect you to quit your job and do what they say. Exactly. Exactly. To get the segment done, and I have a feeling they're going to have dissension in the ranks because these five women, they have jobs, they have lives, they can't just sure. drop everything in a hat. And they were promised to broadcast two weeks ago, and it never happened. So I'm I'm curious to see, you know, what happens. The news cycle knows no emotions, and between Haiti and the world, the World Series, the Super Bowl, and um, you know, what, Sarah Palin, whatever the crap's going on, everything's going to take precedence. Welcome, but that's exactly it, Matt. Welcome to the world of morning television, yes. where you can say I'm available, and then you don't hear anything, and then all of a sudden they expect you to be ready to go within ten seconds at their uh, at their beck and call. So it's not just morning television where you say I'm available and get no response. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh no. But I'm shot. Hey, again, the material from afar. I'm, I'm loving it. It's because you're not sitting here shaking your head at me. <laughs> right. Or feeling sorry for me. You're like, wow, it's actually funny instead of having a pity party in the studio. <laughs> no, I, I, 
So go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, but what you posted this this about beer being a health booster. I thought it was interesting timing too about how. Um, Drinking beer can actually um, be good for you, which is which was good timing given what I think a lot of people did yesterday watching Super Bowl. We, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. We look at, like, eggs were bad, eggs are good. Wine is bad, wine is good. Chocolate's bad, chocolate's good. Now beer's good again. Right. Just put it all in a blender and yeah. just chug it down <laughs> and be like, you know what? I have a 50-50 shot of it being good or bad. Yeah, um, I think yeah. the what my actual tweet was uh, beer boosts bone health and other news Big Macs cure cancer. And even more news, deep-fried Oreos foster world peace. <laughs> well, who doesn't love a deep-fried Oreo? Oh, they're fantastic. Instead of, like, bombing each other, we should drop Oreos out of the yeah, sky. Yeah, exactly. I've yet to try one, but that does sound pretty tasty. And, like, it'll kill you in one bite, but it might be worth it. And then there was the other one today that came out that said uh, a study ties soft drink intake to pancreatic cancer. So let's add that to the list of things we already knew were bad but now are really bad. Yeah. Have a Coke and a tumor. <laughs> that poor polar bear. That's I know. <laughs> <laughs> polar bear, pancreatic cancer epidemic strikes North Pole. Now, is this, is this just, um, and I'm looking at what you've put out, is this just cola? Is it everything like ginger ale? Is it the clear um, uh, sodas as well? I'm pulling, it, I'm pulling it up. It just says a new study suggests that drinking soda may increase your risk of pancreatic cancer. Researchers tracked 60,000 participants in Singapore over 14 years and found that those who drank two or more sugared sodas a week had an 87% increased risk of developing pancreatic cancer. Two or more sodas a week. That's not People have many. that just at lunch alone. Yeah, and not, not, not diet soda. This is sugared soda. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to increase my chances of not getting pancreatic cancer and just stick to vodka, vodka Red Bulls. There you go. Perfect. That's but- 87% increased risk of pancreatic cancer by drinking two or more sodas a week over a 14-year not... study. Yeah. And in the meantime, the price of soda is like at the lowest it's ever been. You can get like 10, 12 packs of soda for like five bucks. Yeah. And boy, the diet stuff, I mean, I think if you had one a month, that would probably be enough to do it. If this is twice a week. Um, I, I mean, the diet soda, again, I think this has to do with the, the, the corn syrup and the caramel color and the stuff that isn't in the diet sodas. Yeah. But, you know, the, as far as the, um, you know, the lobbyists versus reality versus the agribusness on, on uh, you know, what's that stuff called? Uh, Splenda and NutraSweet right. and, yeah. and Sweet and Laurel. phenylalanine and Stevia. Well, let me ask you this, Matt. That's a good thing, yeah. With, with this two and a half sodas a week, if you have... Fizz Whiz or Pop Rocks or any of that stuff with your soda, what are the chances of your stomach exploding before you get pancreatic cancer? I'm going to go with two to one. Or Mentos. I'm going to go with two to one. Well, if you put the ment, if you, you mean if you put Diet Coke in your mouth no, you're and like, then swallow the Mento? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's find out. Where's our intern? Amanda, get over here. <laughs> I want you to swallow this Mento and whatever's in this can. <clears throat> no, thank you. I see we have a lot of guests. In the uh, chat room tonight, we do. I, I think a bunch of them are first ascent people. Well, it'll be nice to get to know who you guys are. Uh, feel free to shout out your names in the chat room. We'd love to acknowledge you and welcome you to the show. Uh, and speaking of first ascent, the irony that Lisa here in studio, not Lisa here on the phone, uh, is a first ascent graduate. What was your first ascent nickname? My nickname was Turby. Turby, and that was short for turbulence. Exactly. Are you a turbulent person? <laughs> not really, but it's really related to uh, being on a turbulent airplane. Okay. 
And you know, Jack, were you the pilot of that airplane? <laughs> it's Sullenberger. No, it was just uh, I just hate turbulence with a passion, and just if if I hadn't been going to a first ascent and having such a wonderful kayaking experience, I would have been crazed. Well, I guess having the nickname Turby is much better than Barfbag. Yeah, what? Yeah, it's definitely better. Well, if she's a turbulent person, that means she gets airsick, right? Well, Jack's Jack's first descent nickname was Radio after that Cuba Gooding Jr. movie. Yeah, because I take my radio and my shopping cart and I go down the hill in my neighborhood all the time. Fantastic. Um, what else is going on? Super Bowl yesterday. That was that's news. It was. And for the record, I just found out. I think we were listening. It was the most watched television event in history. One hundred and six point five million people. It beat out the Hannah Montana season premiere. It beat out MASH. It beat out MASH. It beat, out, it beat out you on Dr. Oz. It did beat out me and Dr. Oz, <laughs> which is a tough thing to do. A show that I still haven't been invited back to. Right, exactly. Now, were you guys, I, I did find this year that people that I never would have thought would have had even the most you know, remote interest in football were not really, more than just kind of sitting around having the beer and chips and stuff, but really into this game. I mean, obviously there was the Cinderella story of New Orleans and the city and having come back from devastation and uh, versus the, uh, you guys know this better than I do, but versus Peyton Manning, the, you know, is he the best quarterback ever? And uh, everybody got excited by this game. It's wild. Yeah, that's true. And I was with some Patriots fans watching the game yesterday. And when Peyton threw that interception that was returned for a touchdown, my friend Kevin jumped up and said, yes, Tom Brady is still the best quarterback of all time. And I said, what about Joe Montana? He said, you're right, and sat down. Fantastic. <laughs> but it was a good game. I think the commercials were kind of lacking this year. Um, my favorite commercial, of course, is the free Grand Slams at Denny's tomorrow morning. Oh, you're going to be there, aren't you? I'm going to be there from 6 to 2, <laughs> which, is the, which is the length of the promotion. I missed that. Is that what, that's what's going on? For yeah, you? they ran it a couple times. I guess like Denny's is trying to like remake their image or compete with IHOP or whatever, but they're giving away free Grand Slams from 6 to 2 tomorrow. So I actually tweeted when I saw the commercial that everybody should go down to the local library today and tell all the homeless people that they can get free breakfast at Denny's tomorrow. Hey, wait, it, hang on. If Denny's goal is to be like IHOP, where they stuff breakfast inside other breakfasts, <laughs> that's not something you should strive to achieve for. That actually sounds pretty good. It's like stuffed French toast filled with pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Inside of an omelet. I'm going to go to IHOP Between before I run the marathon. Bagels. Yeah, this is we're 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 we're, we're and deep fry it. Yeah, we're, we're a show that's supposed to be about staying healthy. We're giving a lot of airtime to Denny's and IHOP, which we probably probably shouldn't be promoting. But I do like your idea, Jack, though, about you know letting homeless people know. I mean, if and you, get, you know that it's going to be all over the news tomorrow that there were riots at Denny's because it was five minutes to two and people who had been waiting since six couldn't get in to get their free breakfast. It's going to be like Walmart on Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like when someone gets trampled, they'll be walking over a dead body to go get their pancakes and save five bucks. Well, the moon's over my hammy. Yeah. Oh, is that, that's not a slam, though. No, moon's over my hammy is a breakfast thing. It's, uh, it it's is like a breakfast the, thing? It's like, yeah, it's, it's the pancakes with the scrambled eggs and, the, and, the, and the, the ham on the side. No, moon's over my hammy is a sandwich, you mook. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You don't, live at, you don't live at Denny's? No. That the, the two of you were debating, actually, what's on the Denny's menu is... Um, um, <laughs> Something. And I'm going to call you out right now, pal, since you're you know, giving me a hard time. You were on your way home from Boston to New York City. You passed through the entire state of Connecticut, and you stopped for dinner at Denny's. Was that with you? No. 
That was with all the other New York people. That wasn't really my call. I don't well, have Who was in the car with me? It was Kate Goldberger. It was Annabelle, Chad Whitman, and the Rackmans. Yeah, I think that they, they were, it was probably their call. And, the and Annabelle texted me saying, we stopped in your town for dinner. And I said, oh, where are you? And she said, Denny's. Oh, no, you know what it was? Didn't we call you and say we're in Danbury, where can we eat? And you said there's a Denny's? No, I would have not said that. I was horrified of all the places that you could have eaten on that road you went to Denny's. Okay. Matt? Tell me how you really feel. Oh. <laughs> As if it wasn't hot enough in here. Now you got my blood boiling. All right. I'll be there tomorrow morning. <clears throat> all right, all right. Let's 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 plow through the news here really quickly and uh we'll bring on Emily. All righty, uh and here's the news. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Okay, during this part of the show, we listen to Jack stammer through a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of stuff you might otherwise not know about. We don't want you missing out on free young adult programs, conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, support groups, music concerts, and more. If you have something you'd like to hear broadcast during this part of the show to our listenership, please fax it to us at 877-794-6902 or send email to Jack Bufard. His email address is jack at i2y.com. That's Jack at i2y.com. All yours, buddy. Thank you, Matthew. And here's your stupid cancer news. Head on over to events.i2y.com. Events.i2y.com is your one-stop shop for all events nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out, especially if I'm not going to be there. Special announcements of note, we have happy hours happening in Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Oakland, California, Durham, North Carolina, San Francisco, New York City, and Gainesville, Florida. All of these can be found at events.i2y.com. In other news, join Team Stupid Cancer, the nation's first running team exclusively supporting young adults. Slots are still open, so if you or anyone you know are interested in running on our behalf, visit team.stupidcancer.com. I'm going to be running the race, and it would be nice to have a friend with me to help drag me across the finish line. Surviving Idol is an upcoming talent show for young adults affected by cancer. Show off your talent by entering your submission today. You can enter your submission by visiting survivingidol.com. Buzz is building around the third annual International OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults, being held Sunday, May 23rd in New York City. Mark the date, May 23rd in New York City, OMG. Stay tuned for more information. February 27th in Dallas, Texas, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society is hosting their Lone Star Blood Cancer Conference, and our team will be there, so be sure to check it out. February 18th, Washington, D.C. Join me, Jack Bufard, your chief cancer anarchist. I will be joining Tamika Felder of Tamika and Friends, Johnny Immerman of Immerman Angels, and the dreamy, the oh-so-dreamy Brad Ludden of First Descent for a screening of the First Descent documentary. While I'm in D.C. that night, Matthew Zachary will be keynoting at the I2Y Insurance Boot Camp for Young Adult Survivors being held at the at NYU right here in New York City. Being that I lack both the time and the intelligence to share with you all the great stuff we have going on for young adults, I've created the Boof News blog. Everyone needs to check out boofnews.i2y.com. That's B-O-O-F 
www.i2y.com for the official list of all stupid cancer news resources. These resources include surveys, exercise programs, writing workshops, peer services, and fertility resources. And to close the news, everyone needs to head on over to 70k.org. That's the word 70, the letter k.org. There are approximately 70,000 people aged 15 to 39 diagnosed with cancer every year. For over two decades, there has been little or no improvement in survival for this age group. By signing this bill, you are supporting the Adolescent and Young Adult Cancer Bill of Rights to be established as a standard for care to meet this underserved population. So that's your news, and I have a couple quick mentions. Congratulations to all Stupid Cancer Survey winners. Spend your $50 iTunes gift cards wisely, which means no scribbling. <laughs> and Matthew and I want to send a big good luck shout-out to Sabrina Meadow of St. Bonaventure College as they partake in their event. And what is that event, Matt? Because I forgot. It's uh, the circus? It's not the circus. It's, it's called something else. I feel bad. Okay, well, good luck. Exactly. We appreciate it. And that's All it, right. my friends. That's your Stupid Cancer News. All right. 9.25. In our Survivor Spotlight tonight, Emily Hobson was born in Burbank, California, but Gloria and Jean, two people who met on a studio lot in Hollywood. How romantic. She's now 25 and currently in remission from her PNET with five more treatments to go. Her hobbies include video gaming, playing the piano. I don't know anything about that. Eating as much food as she possibly can. Sounds like you, Jack. Helping young adults with cancer everywhere and, of course, filmmaking. She is, you guessed it, a film student at CSU Northridge with an emphasis in editing. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, my friend and yours, the one and only Emily Hobson. Emily. Hello. 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 Ooh, I love all the applause. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Now, there was some confusion. You had Ewing sarcoma? I, yes. Okay. Sort of, sort of right. Because I had two different diagnoses for you across the Internet. And, yeah. uh... Yeah. Hodgkin's lymphoma, Ewing sarcoma, it rhymes, you know, whatever. That's true. And a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, all right, so tell us your story. You're 25. When were you diagnosed? Um, in May of 2009. Oh, so you're, like, fresh out of the fire. I'm very fresh. I've still got, yeah, I've still got five more treatments to go, actually. Wow. You ever get this? But you look great. I do, actually. <laughs> you know what I tell people when they say that? Because I've been a year and a half out of treatment. People are like, wow, you look great. I say, thanks, so do you. What type of cancer did you have? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. I love that. I'm going to use that. Go right ahead. Can you, can you explain for the few listeners out there who might not know exactly what Ewing sarcoma is? Um, well, apparently Ewing sarcoma normally, I guess it's really rare, um, and it normally presents itself in the bone, but mine presented itself in the abdomen, and uh, was attacking my lady parts, and uh, I had some surgery, and then it was, hey, you have to have chemo for a whole year, and that's all I really know about it. I kind of stuck my head in the sand when things started happening, and I didn't do any research or anything, so that's about it for me. Where are you treated? Um, at UCLA Cancer Center in Santa Clarita, California. Okay, well, you're in good hands. I think so. Are you happy with your, sorry, you just... Go ahead, Lise. Oh, I was just going to ask. It's interesting. So, when did you um, 
feel that you could take your head out of the sand? Because obviously you're on the show with us now and you're talking to everybody about it. So was there a turning point where you thought, hey, I can pull my head up out of the sands and, and, uh, and talk about this now? It's been really recent, actually. It took maybe six or seven months before I was like, okay, now I'm okay with this. I think it, you know, it was after I went into remission and I wasn't okay. scared anymore. Right, so it was when you th- sort of thought that you could exhale the first point where you thought, okay, I can, exactly that, where you could just exhale. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. And what about um, your friends and, you know, folks around your age? Did you, had you known anybody your age who was diagnosed, or was it easy Not to, really. to talk to your friends about? It, you know, it, what's really funny is all my friends and family just kind of came out of the woodwork. Everybody has been supporting me the whole way you know, doing stuff for me, bringing food over, just all kinds of stuff, doing stuff for my family. Everyone's been really amazing. And the only young person that I really sort of, I didn't even really know her that well, um, was a girl who went to ballet with my sister. And I think she had Hodgkin's lymphoma, actually. So, um, and she survived. She went through treatment and survived. And um, I saw her around, but I, I really, there was no, there were no young people that I knew, hardly any older people that I knew, so. Was it random that you just knew this girl? Yeah, pretty random, yeah. So, uh, was there, um, like, I guess the question is, how'd you find out about us? how did I find out about you guys? I just went on the internet looking for other people, other young people. I just typed in something like young adults cancer or something like that. Because I was like, I needed some peer support, you know. I needed some, like, young adult cancer love. <laughs> so that's how I found you guys, and I'm so glad I did, too. That's well, we're glad you did, too, or this would be a very quiet segment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I like that tagline. I think we can, can we adopt that, young adult cancer love? I think that's great. I'm Absolutely. all for that. <laughs> that's going to make a very interesting happy hour. Oh, I like that idea. <laughs> Super Cancer Happy Hour loving. We love it. (laughs) Perfect. So, Emily, did your doctors doctors give you any um, explanation as to uh, why or how you could have uh, gotten this, A, as you said, it was weird to be not in the bones and in your stomach, and B, um, at your age, was there, or was it just kind of like, well, we don't know? It was like, well, we don't know. (laughs) It totally was. And I I went online and, like, read a little bit recently about, Ewing sarcoma, and apparently, or peanut and Ewing sarcoma, apparently it's like gestational, like the cells start when you're a baby. That's what I've read online. I have no idea for sure, but so like I've had this for all that time, and then it just apparently decided to grow and become cancer when I got older. That's that's amazing. Well, we'll have to have a we'll have to have a Ewing sarcoma expert on soon, and, uh, and that would be awesome. all of that. Yeah, that was really cool. Well, my um, uh, it's it's such a unique. Didn't Heidi Adams have Ewing sarcoma? I think she did. I think so. Yeah, Heidi Adams from Planet Cancer had Ewing sarcoma. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, and she has twins. I don't know if that correlates. Aw. Interesting. Twins <laughs> are too much work. Oh my goodness. Tell so Emily, I'm interested. Obviously, having covered entertainment, though, Emily, I'm interested. Uh, it looks like your your parents in the film business, and you're following in their footsteps. Yeah, I am. I didn't at first. I didn't want to because I was like, "Oh, film. They're all in film. Everyone's in film." My grandpa's a a radio DJ, so everyone had been in the business, and 
I didn't really want to, but suddenly I discovered I had a little bit of talent for uh, digital editing uh, when I was in high school, and I just loved it and went from there. That's fantastic and very useful right now. Yeah, I hope I can make some documentaries and make some films about, you know, about what we're, we've gone through and the young adult cancer movement and everything. That would be really cool. In a world with stupid cancer. <laughs> if you need any extras for your documentary, I'd be more than happy to be sitting in the background getting some chemo. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and I, I want real chemo, so it looks authentic. All right, perfect. <laughs> Fantastic. Absolutely. So I, I just just touching on that, I have a I have a tremendous appreciation for nonlinear editing. I'm a oh, yes. traditional graphic designer, um, not by trade, but I've learned it. Uh, I, I've tried using Flash. I've tried using Final Cut. Even iMovie, which is like you know for someone like Jack to use, I cannot wrap my brain around nonlinear editing. I, I, I have such a respect, a profound respect, uh, profound respect for anyone in broadcast media that knows how to do just that skill and do it really well. Oh well, that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, I can't wrap my head around linear editing, so. There we'd you like go. you to come. To, we'd like you to come to New York and give us all a course, actually. Yeah, exactly. So I could totally do that. That sounds great. So, um, yeah. So, what's in store for you? What's in store for me? Um, I'm having a fundraiser for myself uh, in June, June 25th. We've got some really, really good friends putting that together for me because um, I've got student loans come due, and I have no money because I've been out of work and all that. You mean and, cancer's uh, caused you debt? Uh, yeah, isn't that weird? You wouldn't Shocking. think. Wait, I, I'm, I'm I'm getting some word here. I'm getting word from my sponsors. Um, yeah, they're confirming cancer causes debt. Oh. Okay. So what an amazing well, idea! So you're putting together. So you're just you're you're having an Emily Hobson fundraiser. I am. Yes. Is that the official name of it? Does it have an official name? It's uh, well, it's going to be a Texas Hold'em tournament. Oh, cool. Which I guess. Yeah, which I guess people love out here. So um, it's going to be that, and it's it's called Emily's Take. So it's got like a triple meaning there with the take one, take two sort of film thing, and then you know your take in the uh, the whole tournament, that sort of thing. So right. So how can people, if they want to take part, how can they get involved? Um, eventually, we will have a website up, and uh, I mean you can always find me on Facebook. I'll be posting all kinds of stuff on Facebook, and. Um, Probably, I would say, if you, yeah, once we get the website up, I don't know what it's going to be yet, but once we get that up, they'll be able to get involved and, like, sponsor or donate or whatever. Well, that's just fantastic. Thanks. Well, we're out of, out of time. Um, these things go pretty quickly, but I was very excited to initially get to know you, even just from a couple of weeks ago, and uh, to get you on the show here. I think that you are a really great example of someone who has blossomed in their survivorship. And like you said, not everyone's ready when they're in treatment. You don't have to be Jack before the day you're diagnosed to find me and, mm-hmm. you know, jump on my lap. But I think that it's possible for people. Wait, hold to, on, what? Shut up. <laughs> it's possible for people to, you know, you're an example of that. It's possible to regain your life, regain your self-worth, your dignity, your self-esteem, belief in yourself, and, you know, really just, Really just take charge and try to own what's going what's going on. I congratulate Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And maybe gain even more of it, too, than you had before. That's Fantastic. Definitely. All right, Emily, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, I'm definitely. sure we will be in touch quite often, and uh, give my best to your mother. 
Great. Thanks, Good you luck guys. Thanks, Emily. All right. Thank Emily Hobson, everyone. All righty. Let's, uh, who's next? Oh, my God, we have other people on the line. Do we really want to talk to these people? We could talk to Beth. I guess we could talk to Beth. Maybe we could just leave Stu on mute. Here, let's try this again. That would be great. 9.36. Our next guest hail from the land of Montana-ish, sort of. Stuart J. Kaplan, M.D., is currently the executive director of the Children's Oncology Foundation Operators of Camp Make-A-Dream. He previously was the clinical director of the After Completion of Therapy Clinic at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in Memphis. I did not know that. He continues to spend four weeks a year in Memphis caring for and helping to guide survivors of childhood cancer and beyond. He was recently appointed to the co-chair position of the Livestrong Young Adult Alliance. His interests outside of work include nothing except the New York Mets. Beth Jones first learned about Kate Met Can't Make a Dream in 2001 while working at the Missoula Children's Hospital where she volunteered to do theater workshops with participants during the summer. That experience led her to find a way to spend more time at camp. She began working full-time with the organization in 2006 when I attended and is currently the camp director. Jack Buffard is also a Camp Make a Dream graduate. Beth is primarily responsible for designing all of the camp's programs which will no longer include Jack Lafarge attending. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Dr. Stuart Kaplan and Beth Jones. Good evening, Dr. Kaplan. Good evening, Beth. Good evening. How are you? It's not Mr. Kaplan. It's Dr. Kaplan. Yeah, whatever. The whole Facebook fiasco about that one day. Thank you, Jack. You are welcome. <laughs> Wait, so where are you guys calling in from? That's at home in Montana, right? I'm near Montana-ish. Montana-ish. So you're in Canada. (laughs) Yeah. And Stu, where are you? I'm in Minnesota. We uh, we actually have just opened an office here to raise awareness um, about our programs out in Montana, the Upper Midwest Office of Can't Make a Dream. We just opened that a couple months ago. So I'm here for a couple of meetings. And Beth and I haven't seen each other in a couple of weeks because she was just out on the road spreading the word about camp on the Pacific Northwest. Yes, Montana-ish, yes. So, Dr. Kevin, for those who are tuning in, um, can you tell us a little bit about Camp Make-A-Wish, his uh, initial launch, how the whole thing got founded, and um, it looks just like an absolutely amazing place. Sure, and it's an interesting story because Camp Make a Dream was founded in the uh, mid-90s by a gentleman named Harry Graniter who was a builder in Michigan and got involved with the Ronald McDonald Houses and decided he wanted to have kids with cancer out to his ranch in Montana. And there was no needs assessment done and basically raised the money to build this camp for little kids with cancer, and it became clear very early that we had this facility and there weren't enough kids, thank God, in Montana to fill our facility, and we needed to figure out what to do with it. So in 1996, we brought a multidisciplinary group together of social workers, child and life specialists, parents, nurses, and tried to figure out what it is that we could do to best utilize the space and best serve a population that can use our services. And one of the parents suggested shooting a little bit older because of a barrier of air travel, that, you know, it's going to be difficult for a parent to put their six or seven year old kid on a plane to cross the country on their own, even if they didn't have cancer, let alone if they did. So we sort of tripped upon this young adult population. And when we tripped upon it in 1996, we uh, 
quite frankly, didn't know the population we were about to serve. We knew we wanted to sort of make it different from camp and a blend of education and recreation, so we put some real hardcore educational workshops like long-term side effects and peer-to-peer -peer relationships and navigating the healthcare system, mixed and mingled with what you might think is typical camp activities, but sort of gear them to an older age group. And not until we actually had that group in August of 1996 did we realize, wow, what a really important group this was who felt isolated through their experience, who, and you know, this is almost 15 years ago now, felt like they were completely alone uh, in their experience, you know, and I don't have to tell you guys, surrounded by either in a pediatric hospital by a bunch of little kids or in the geriatric center with a bunch of older people and just feeling completely alone in the experience and nobody to relate with. And just by bringing these 60 people together in one space from across the country who, you know, absolutely could share their experiences and for the first time talk comfortably with others who knew exactly what they were going through. Uh, was a magic experience. And then, two months later, Lance Armstrong was diagnosed with cancer. So suddenly, young adults with cancer had a voice, and the whole young adult movement started to really take off. And we were on the ground floor of that. And I always like to say, I would love to sit in front of you and tell you that, you know, we, are on the we were on the ground floor of young serving young adults because we foresaw the need. But the fact of the matter is, we sort of tripped upon the population um, and then the population got a voice and then finally got the recognition that it needed and deserved over the next 15 years. And, you know, Lance Armstrong was the beginning of that, but then organizations like Matt's and many, many others that have evolved over the past 10 to 15 years have had a lot to do with bringing it finally into the limelight. I have some revisionist history for you, Stu. Um, I was diagnosed before Lance Armstrong, thank you. In January of 1996, he was diagnosed in October of 1996. So, therefore, I should have had much more influence in, in the world of young adult advocacy. You're you one of the. You should have come to the first camp, Matt. Dude, if I had known, you're, you are one of the only organizations in existence that I could say this to. Where are you when I needed you? I, no one told me that you existed. What I have loved to gone to make a dream in 1996. Yeah, we didn't we didn't quite know what we were going to be at that point yet either, but um, I think it sort of evolved through the years. It certainly has, and as, and as a participant, I can tell everyone out there, you know, I'm not just a hair club president, I'm also a client. I've been to these things. They are transformative. You make friends for life, and uh, it's an opportunity no one should be uh, – it's an opportunity everyone should be made aware that they can take advantage of. I agree. I'd love to hear some, maybe some anecdotes from Beth about, um, and I want to uh, emphasize, make a dream, because I, I think I mistakenly said make a wish. Make a dream. Um, if you could just talk about kind of standouts or um, some young adults that have been out there that have taken part, Beth, uh, just some personal, some memories that really sort of encapsulate for you what make a dream is all about. Wow, good question. Um, my first summer there, I suppose um, the number one standout is a young woman um, named Ronell Ragbeer, um, who Stu actually treated at St. Jude, I believe. Um, so it was my first summer, um, my full, first full-time summer, and this young woman um, had had her um, her whole leg amputated, and um, Stu can probably speak to her actual diagnosis um, that had happened many years before, um, but. She was very open with um, 
with stories of her survivorship. And she was not in great shape when she actually came to us, um, but she was this amazing young woman who told about her um, her past life as kind of a beauty queen. Um, she had this gorgeous long hair, and men were all over her. And then immediately when she had been diagnosed and her hair, she lost all of her hair. And then um, when she lost her leg, she saw this um, change in the effect that um, she had on the opposite sex. And at first she said it was a little alarming, but, um, but through cancer, and this is not um, the first time or the only time I heard this, um, she actually just gained this new perspective on life and, um, and chose to kind of work with what she had at that point. And she just became this huge inspiration to everyone around her. And I suppose one of the most vivid memories I have of her was um, we have a butte behind camp that Matt and Jack probably remember pretty well. Yes. Um, and it's kind of a high point of many campers' um, weeks there um, climbing the butte. Pun and intended. Thousand feet. I'm sorry, what? Pun intended, exactly. Um, and so Ronell. Um, made her way about three-quarters of the way up and wasn't quite sure she was able to do that last bit, which is pretty steep. And um, a group of young men who were attending the Young Adult Conference with her um, actually carried her to the top. And that, and it took her probably um, an hour and a half to get where she had gone, and then they actually finished up the climb with her. And that was pretty amazing. And she passed away not too long after um, she attended camp. And I would say that is still one of the strongest memories I have. Um, and she actually wrote a poem about her experience, and I still have that um, on my wall. So Powerful. that's a big one. Yeah, yeah and, and similarly, when I was there last May, uh, Eric Galvez was in my group, Matt. Absolutely. And uh, for those of you that don't know Eric, he's actually in the chat room now, but um, he is uh, recovering from a brain tumor, and he relies on his walker and a wheelchair to get him around. And uh, he he climbed it, and yeah, it, it 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 took a while, but he did it, he and did. Uh, it was very inspiring to all of us that were there, because it was kind of yeah. like if if Eric can do it, then I was like, okay, I can do it, <laughs> and I went and did it the next day. Dude, I did it. If <laughs> did you roll down the hill when you were done? I might as well have been pushed like Humpty down the hill. That was a that was a tough tough uh, climb for me. Yes, but was it worth it? Oh, it was totally worth it. The view from up there. I, I yeah. took my my cell phone camera. We took like a panoramic 360 video that I still have. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, worth getting up at what four in the morning? When did we do that? It was too early. It was very early for me. I did mine about 10 a.m. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I actually just Stories posted for those are... in the chat room. I just posted a picture of the view from on top of the view. Very nice. Oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So what an amazing story. So not only that you could have such a self of, self of accomplishment, but somebody like the woman that you described who was defined, it seemed, by primarily by one thing or known as being so beautiful and having this attention, sort of reinventing herself and, you know, tapping in and, and, and blossoming. Um, it almost sounds like a rebirth and a re-blossoming into something, um, something else that she may not have discovered. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. I, I, my fondest memory, and I think Stuart knows where I'm going with this, of being at camp, um, was seeing him dressed as a pig in in a uh, a cabaret show in what was that Frankville or Frankfurtville or something? Uh, Phillipsburg. Phillipsburg, thank you. Mm -hmm. Highlight, 
beats the candy store, it beats the sapphire mining, it, it beats everything. Watching Stu uh, in, in a pig outfit, fantastic. My highlight of my Make a Dream week, the entire week, the number one highlight for me was having Stu serve me my dinner on the last night. <laughs> I mean, Dr. Kaplan bringing me my mail. <laughs> Dr. Kaplan, yes. No, we, we kids do because, you know, you're a game changer, man. I don't underestimate the power of the force. You are really a game changer, and now that you're in charge of the Alliance, and I say that like with a tremendous degree of respect, what, what's that like for you? You started this 15 years ago, and now you are one of the nation's leading you know, influencers in the movement, and I congratulate you. Yeah, no, thank you. And uh, it, it, it is certainly very exciting and very challenging, and um, you know, we've come a long way in 15 years, and it's fantastic, but as far as we've come... You know, we look at all there is to be done and all the coordination that needs to be happening, and it's it's daunting, but it's exciting at the same time. And one thing that I would say for LIF, I mean, I think that since LIF, since the beginning of LIF, I think one of their major sort of secondary goals has been to become a clearinghouse to avoid duplication of efforts, and I've applauded that from the very beginning. And I think the alliance is becoming very effective in that, in bringing people together, in fostering collaborations. I mean, because of the alliance, which is only five years old, not even five years old, because of the alliance, we have partnered with organizations such as Cancer Care, um, the Children's Brain Tumor Foundation, LAF itself, in putting on some of our specific young adult programs. And because of that collaboration, uh, it's, it's helping to avoid 50 people out there trying to all spin their wheels and do the same thing and to work together. And it's just really exciting to see people with a common goal come together and work together and, you know, solve the problems of the gap in, the, the gap in cure rates and then the gap in support given to, the, to our very important population. So it's an exciting time to be involved with it, and we're hoping that we're going to be able to make a, a huge change. I think we've done it already in the past five years, and we're looking ahead now to the next five years. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So I just wanted to quickly let the audience know when the young adult conferences are. Uh, for Camp Make a Dream, and all the information about all the camps that Make a Dream has uh, has going on can be found at campdream.org. And the Young Adult Survivors Conference is being held June 8th through June 13th, and that is for young adult cancer survivors who are in or out of treatment. Um, and then they have the young, the young Adult Conference, which is June 16th through the 23rd. And uh, additionally, they have uh, ovarian cancer retreat, women cancer retreat, um, so, again, head on over to CampDream.org, and you can get all the information and how to apply to attend. Point, just a quick point of clarification. The Young Adult Survivor Conference is a little bit more educationally bent. The Young Adult Conference is a little more recreationally bent. And then we've also got our Heads Up Conference, which is specific for young adult survivors of brain tumors, which is in August. Right, so that's August, August 11th through the 16th. Right, but that's all on the website. Right. CampDream.org, everyone, and I highly recommend it as a former camper. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely inspiring. It definitely helps you get through your cancer journey, and uh, it, 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 it's, it's a, a great place to connect with other survivors and other people in treatment. Great. Thank you. All Thank right, you. guys. Thank you for being thanks, on the guys. show. Good luck thanks with so everything. Much. We'll definitely be in touch. All right. We'll talk soon. So. All right. Thanks, guys. Take Let's care. go Mets. Thanks, Dr. Stu yeah. Kaplan and Beth Jones from Can Make a Dream.
I'm trying to think of what the most appropriate lead-in music would be for uh, for Ludden. Something that maybe would be playing when Fabio is standing in front of like a, a fan or something. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Uh, how about this one? Okay. Our next and final guest on the show tonight was raised by wolves and still lives in place in the northern Rocky Mountains, commonly known as one of the best professional kayakers in the world. Brad Ludden, Cosmo's Sexiest Man Alive 2008, has traveled to over 40 countries as Nike's first sponsored kayak athlete. He can be seen gracing the cover of magazines such as Outside, Men's Health and Men's you Journal, please welcome. No idea. Ready, normal people? Ready. 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 Let me hear it. The internet is for Brad. The internet is for Brad. All these guys unzip their flies for Brad. Brad, Brad, Brad. Brad, Brad, everybody. Hi, Brad. Wow, gentlemen, ladies, this, uh, I should have known something was coming. <laughs> I should have known. You, 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 a mile away, thank, dude, thank a mile you, away. Brad, thank just, you. Brad, I really you, appreciate that. Brad, you should be thankful <laughs> that we didn't bring up the Martha Stewart Living Cupcake portfolio. Oh, yeah, either. no, thank goodness you didn't mention that. Because, God forbid, somebody find a picture of you on the Internet wearing pastels and holding cupcakes <laughs> while standing next to Martha Stewart for a Martha Stewart Living spread. I would like to say I did that as a favor to a friend, which is true, but the reality is, you know, times are tough and the economy is bad and a lot of people are out of work, so you do what you got to do, okay? Well, yeah. You could be my cupcake any day, buddy. <laughs> and I think as, I think as a female here, uh, Brad, hi, it's Lisa, and I think I have to clarify that you were not Cosmo's um, Sexiest Man of the Year. I think that's the People Magazine label, but I believe you were 2008 Bachelor of the Year. Is that right? Uh, I think it's something, yeah, I think it was hottest, America's Hottest Bachelor. Okay. Are you sure okay. it wasn't yeah. High Times Magazine? <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was rigged is what I think it was. Very nice. But yeah, I'll take it. You have a lot of relatives that were in the voting. You, you can be just about anything. Oh, gosh. Well, it's good to talk to you guys. No, we love, we love to have you on the phone. <laughs> really good to dig those things up. You take it all. He, he oh, takes boy. it in stride. He does. No, hey, you you do something like that, you kind of expect it. It's like a public pie throwing contest. What do you, you know? Well, you know, yourself up there and put a target on your forehead. Absolutely. You know, yeah. one of the things I love about what you guys do is that you know everyone says, "Well, it's another camp," but you are so clearly differentiated in what you do to serve young adults with regard to these adventure retreats and excursions and hiking and kayaking and river rafting. Uh, talk about the origins of First Descent. Obviously, you were founded after Make a Dream, but where was the thought process in that? And obviously, we want to talk about a young man named Alan Goldberg who passed away, who was uh, one of the founders, correct? As, along as well as you. He was, uh, yeah. He Alan was a huge influence on on the program today. Um, you know, I, I like to say that there are hundreds and hundreds of people who founded this thing, and, and still to this day are helping found it as we grow and change. Uh, to, to start at the very beginning, a first descent has always been, for me as an extreme kayak athlete, um, it's been my biggest achievement, and that's the first time anyone successfully completes a, a river. And with that comes all these inherent challenges, and with those challenges comes growth. And so it's uh, we as, as athletes really hold that pretty high um, and in and, and high regards, when someone says they did a first descent, you don't take it very lightly. And so 
Um, with that in mind, these life-shaping expeditions were something I wanted to recreate. I'd seen after, you know, I'd been traveling internationally since 12, and I'd been really fortunate in competing and sponsored and kind of living that dream for a while and and uh, just seeing how, how much uh, kayaking could, could influence someone's life. And so I started thinking, well, you know, if it can influence someone's life and I can teach someone how to do it, then why am I not influencing people's lives with this sport? And so that, that was when the idea was born, and that was in 98. And uh, two years before that, my aunt was diagnosed with breast cancer as a young adult. And that was our family's first real, first-hand experience of this is cancer. And I think, you know, whether you've had it yourself, whether someone you love or someone in your family has had it, it's, everyone can tell you what that's like, um, and it really hits hard. And I saw firsthand how few resources were available to her. And so my mom and I, uh, my mom's a very philanthropic woman, decided to start volunteering at a local pediatric oncology program. Uh, it was actually sister camp of Eagle Mount out of Bozeman. And uh, we went up there, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, it, it was the only thing I felt I could do to gain some control of the situation, and that a pond. And so I asked the program director if she would mind if I taught the kids how to kayak. And she said, no problem. So I brought all my kayaks up the next day and taught them how to kayak, and I loved it. And so between that, planting the seed in my head, and this, this notion that kayaking could actually be used for some form of, of healing and, and become a life-changing experience, they kind of meshed. And then in 2001, after a few fortuitous events fell into place, I managed to get the first pro, I, I say duct taped it together, but I managed to pull this first week of programming off. And um, it was back in 2005, after a few years of slow and steady growth, um, and, and really trying to find out who, who we were serving and what we were serving, that Alan Goldberg uh, kind of came to, came to us, landed in our lap, and uh, Alan, before he came to us, worked at... Uh, he had just started with Livestrong before that, Camp Okaizu, out of California, which is a pediatric program. And Alan came on board as our first executive director, and he was the one who really introduced this idea. And I, I was listening to Stu talk, um, you know, this, the same concept that we were like, okay, who are we serving? Because at the point we were doing 13 to 25. And Alan said, you guys, listen. And Alan was a, a pediatric survivor. Uh, at the time, and was healthy, he was about 27 years out of his cancer, and he said, young adults need the help. They're the ones that you guys should be working with. And, and at the time, we'd seen that our programs really spoke to that demographic, and so that was it. We went full force into the young adult, 18 to 39 is who we serve with our programs, and then about a month later, Alan relapsed, and then about a year, almost a year and a half later, unfortunately, Alan passed. And so um, but he left an incredible legacy behind. This year, we're up to 15 weeks of programming in four states uh, with various different disciplines um, and things we're teaching, and uh, we'll serve uh, over 200 young adults through our programs. That's amazing. Brad, is there, um, can, can anybody, do you have to sort of adjust? Do you make your kayaks sort of special if there's somebody who has a particular handicap or they've lost a leg? Can anybody partake in this, and can you yes. adjust what their individual needs are? Yes, absolutely we can, and, and that goes for the climbing programs as well, our mountaineering programs. Uh, everything we do, we max our programs out at 15 participants, period. Uh, we've had less, which is fine, but we won't go over that for, for well, for experiential reasons, but primarily safety. Um, when we get out there, we've had uh, a four-to-one, in some rare cases, four-to-one staff-to-student ratio on the water and on the rock. Um, and so we can, we can really... Um, accommodate any situation, uh, 
a lot of times um, we've had participants who, who lost some of their motor skills. We had our guides up there moving, helping them move their feet and place them on the rocks. We've had uh, one uh, two-person kayaks where we put a student in the front and a staff in the back. Uh, and these are hard shell closed deck kayaks, and then we put one or two safety boaters along with them. Uh, we can counterbalance the kayaks. We have one guy who's, who's a hip disarticulation, and he's a pretty big dude, and then you realize how much each one of your legs weighs when you put him in a kayak and the thing's totally lopsided. And so, you know, going in and actually trying to counterbalance that with various different weights and, and get it just right so he, he fit in that kayak perfectly. And that's um, – I people get discouraged when they hear about our programs because – it's a legitimate outdoor adventure challenge. You know, I mean, it's a real challenge. You really learn how to do the sport, and then you apply what you've learned to succeed. And um, it's, it's not, we don't sugarcoat anything. And so people get frightened by that, but the, the important thing to express is that it's, we, we can accommodate anybody and anything. Um, if you're willing to try, you're going to succeed. We'll make sure of that. It's just, you know, you have to believe in yourself. You have to get there, and once you're there, we'll make sure you do well. Yeah, and Brad, just to follow up on what you just said, as a camper, you know, I attended the uh, the Washington, Oregon camp last summer, and I went into it with the attitude of, I know I'm going to get tired, I don't have all my energy back, it is what it is, and I'm just going to keep plugging along, and when I get tired, I'm going to get tired, and you know they're going to understand, and there's going to be people that I'm sure are going to be a lot better than me, and people that might be a little worse than me. And, you know, I got through everything, and I was tired at the end of the day, but, you know, there's a lot of hand-holding, there's a lot of basics that are taught to you early on, and there's a lot of encouragement, and, you know, the times I did get tired, I would just maybe take a couple strokes and just go, and just ride the water, and then paddle again and ride the water, and it's, it's, it's definitely an experience for everybody, and don't be afraid of, of you know, feeling, you know, stupid or, or feeling like you can't do it because there's there's going to be a lot of help and, and a lot of encouragement. Yeah, but you're used and, to feeling stupid. <laughs> and looking stupid. But no one ever encourages me. It wasn't until first ascent that I realized what, like, yeah, a compliment was. Yeah, but we made you feel good about it. No, yeah. it, but that's exactly it. Is, it is, uh, we recognize that each person heals differently and each person is there to achieve something else. And so we try to figure that out early on in the week and then help that person get there. Um, and for some of uh, the participants, it's just getting in the lake, it's flipping over, and it's getting out. Or maybe it's just doing like a 50-foot rappel on the rock. You know, re really kind of lower-level, simpler stuff, but still a big accomplishment. And then for some people, you know, we had one participant, Thatcher, who, uh, you know, a couple weeks after camp, dropped out of college, bought a one-way ticket to the White Nile, and went and worked as a safety kayaker for eight months. You know, I mean, there are various different levels of, of success at these programs. We identify with each of them, and we ensure that each participant who attends meets that level of, of success. That's why we're there. Brad, do you, um, and obviously, as you mentioned before, you've got, uh, you've got climbing uh, as well as an activity that you do. But as a, guy, as a kayaker, do you feel, because um, I sort of feel that water is kind of very healing. I mean, could you sort of explain, just, I'm interested to kind of hear you talk about your relationship with water, and obviously it's something that you love and has made a career out of and now are used to help sort of heal people. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's a great question. Um, I think nature in general, and this sounds, I sound like such a hippie right now, I, I, I really do believe that, you know, once you're out in the outdoors, and, and that's kind of life in its simplest form, and that's when, when, uh, when you're interacting with these elements, uh, that, that you sort of, you find a really natural sense of yourself, and I think that's really important for all of us. It kind of peels away and, and washes away every, all of our worries, any material, um, you know, vices we have, 
and and for me personally, you know, as you mentioned, I, I'm really uh, attracted to water. That's my thing. That's what I've grown up with, and especially on these rivers. And Jack, you can probably talk to this, but it's um, it's 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 a very unique relationship that you have. The river is constantly moving and changing. I mean, it's a it feels like a living body that, yeah. that you're interacting with. It's a, it's a really unique relationship where when it goes really well. Uh, it's this amazing power that you have with you, but the second it turns and you get out of sync with it, it's this amazing power that turns against you, and it's a very humbling uh, experience, but it's also very, um, I think, empowering at the same time. Yeah, and that's true because there's times when I would get frustrated because I'm trying to do the right stroke or whatever, and I end up like doing a 360, and now I'm going backwards or whatever, but then I would just get the instruction, you know, either yell to me or I would just take the knowledge that I had and fix it. And, you know, it, you feel good because it's like, okay, now I'm going the right way. I'm going with the water. I can get into an eddy. And it's it's it, it made me feel good. Who's Eddie? Yeah. Uh, you know, Eddie, Nikki, and Steve's friend? Brendan Eddie? <laughs> Isn't the popular hey. Eddie's of the king and the queen of the prom? Uh, no one knows what the hell you're talking about. You do. You're making you're making dreamboat bread blush right now. Oh no. I think, uh, but I think too. One of the I and I say this at the beginning of every program. One of the coolest things about the river is it it just doesn't care who you are. It doesn't treat anyone differently. You know, it treats everyone the same. And I think there's something to be said for that because a lot of times my experiences with a lot of our participants that they just want to be normal. You know, like they're, they're, they are normal and they want to be treated normally. And uh, the river does that. It really just it doesn't doesn't take it easy on them. You know, it doesn't treat anyone harder than the other. It's it just is, and we enter into that. And it's such a cool experience. By the end of the week, um, the participants actually have the skill set to kayak. Like they've actually learned how to kayak now, and they're applying that on a river. That's that's a, a legitimate challenge. And so when they get off the river that last day, you know, now they're kayakers, and they can be really proud of that. Um, it's it's a pretty amazing um, it's a pretty amazing to watch over the over the course of the week what happens and what transpires. Yeah, and, and another thing that happens is everyone's like so excited about it that they're like, you know, how do I get to become an instructor? And like, what's 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 instructor school like? And everyone comes home where it's like, you know, let's go on Craigslist and buy a used kayak. And yeah, you know, like everybody yeah, just like get, of that. yeah, everybody just gets so excited. It's something that sticks with you all year. Like you know, some of my first ascent friends and I we talked throughout the year and we're just like oh my god like like which camp are we going to go to next summer and it's like we missed the river and we were only out there for like five days but it just stays with you just yeah i'm ready to jump on the, the hudson here up in the hudson yeah you should too that's a great place to go let's go down the east river after we get all of our shots that's like when kramer yeah, slammed I was gonna the hudson say just, just soaking in alcohol afterwards or something because yeah. i can't imagine it's healthy <laughs> and, um, and i should say what's that Oh, no, I was just going to say that the guys were telling me that everybody gets a nickname. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't ask me why. I can kind of tell you, I guess. But basically, it's, it's, I think every camp has its traditions. Um, first Ascent, uh, it, it's kind of like compared to when people hike the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail or even go into the service or, you know, take on a really big endeavor in their life inevitably they walk away with a nickname from that. And first ascents, it didn't adopt this from any one place, but that's what I can compare it to. When you show up at the program, everyone gets a nickname, and that's how they're known at that program. By the end of the week, no one knows anyone's real names. They just know everyone's nicknames, and those nicknames really come to represent them. But it also, when you see another participant, they introduce themselves as their nickname. And that's kind of a funny story about how you got the nickname, and it brings up all these memories of your program and 
Um, it's just become kind of this cool, almost cultish thing we have going at First Ascent. And, uh, I, I, but beyond that, I couldn't tell you why it is. It just happens. Jack, what was your nickname? My nickname was Radio. And oh, yeah, it was kind of funny because on day on day one we're heading to the river and I hadn't gotten my nickname yet because I was the last one to get to camp and we're in the van and I'm in the back and one of the uh, younger campers Leva is in the front talking to Smelly and she's telling her about the stupid cancer show and she was like yeah it's part of the I2I organization and Matthew Zachary's the host and blah blah blah. So I said, well, what about the guy who cracks jokes and does the news block? <laughs> and she turns around and goes, oh, my God, the, ra- uh, the, uh, the crazy guy? And I was like, yeah. She's like, yeah, what's his name? And I said, Jack Buffard. She's like, yeah. Wait a minute, that's you. <laughs> so then Smelly wanted to call me crazy guy from the radio. And it got whittled down to crazy guy, which then got whittled down to just radio. And then everyone started inserting the Cuba Gooding Jr. jokes in, but yeah, I think I think Eric Galvez actually led the yeah led Galvez the on that one. <laughs> Eric Galvez posted a picture on my Facebook page while I was at camp of radio in a shopping cart and said, "This is Jack." Yeah, but, but Matthew, I think if you went on first descent, which I don't, I can't imagine you would ever do because there's no Wi-Fi on the river. But I think yeah. <laughs> I think if, I think they would have to go like the Native American route and nickname you like Tips with Ease or something like that. <laughs> Done and done, dude. I think Matthew's coming this year. Rattery, um, call me. Get him a kayak that has, like, an air card or something so he can check his emails <laughs> while going down the river. Yeah, I'm going to have to get one of those, like, uh, like, like uh, vacuuming clothes things for my laptop so it can get wet. Yeah. We'll, get, we'll get a support wrap just for you to have. It's a, it's, we'll just have that floating technology, solar panels, Anything you need, bud. We'll set it and up. And then he'll be checking in on his twins as he's floating down the river. And... Yeah, because that's all my wife needs, to worry about me drowning in the Colorado <laughs> after my kids are like three months old. So you want to be nicknamed Drowns with Ease? <laughs> drowns with Ease? Definitely not. <laughs> drowns with Ease? <laughs> terrible. Oh, my goodness, you guys. So how many camps do you do a year now? Uh, well, we'll have 15 weeks this year that start, the first one, and gosh, this is amazing, the first one is in April in Moab. April 18th to the 23rd. Yep, and it's a climbing program, and I, if there are any men between the ages of 18 and 39-year-old listening, right now, come February like 13th, if we don't have any more male applicants, it's going to be an entirely female program. And not then I'll, I'm in. specifically. Right. Seriously, radio, go. It's it's I'm I'm just like baffled. I'm like, you got in you know, Johnny Emmerman, love that guy, was like, dude, sent out dude's email with exclamation points and a lot of capitals and like, a lot of What's dudes. up boys? What's up boys, dudes? You know, you know, I get all fired up after I read it and so he invited a bunch of guys so we'll see, but uh, traditionally we in the past we've had I'd say about seventy to seventy five percent of our participants are women. Um, and don't ask me why. That's just the way it works. And so I'm, I'm, every dude I meet, you know, every every dude who's a survivor or fighter, I'm like, hey, dude, listen, I'm going to give you the insight here. You've got to go to one of these programs. Oh, so, Brad, hang on. Uh, Johnny has a message for you. Ready? Oh, goodness. This ever moment is brought to you by Everman Angels. Be well, number one. There you go. Be well, number one. Love it. And and every time I read his email, I force myself to read his signature, which takes an additional 20 minutes. Yeah, it's yeah. like if you know anybody who's been affected by cancer, <laughs> refer them to Immerman Angels. And be well, number one, boys. Be well, number one, boys, dude. 
Yeah, you got to love that guy. I don't know a single person on this planet who doesn't. One, one thing I do want to mention to our listeners out there, that First Descent is, is one, of our official, one of our first official national partners uh, with numerous activities and events all around the country. Not only are we now sharing our Google Calendar, uh, it's like, you know, first base, I it's suppose. Like shop, it's like swapping fit <laughs> with Brad. <laughs> Where, that they are partners with us on the OMG Cancer Summit coming up in May. We're doing a special film screening with them in Washington that I'd like to export to uh, other chapters around the country. And uh, we're going to be working with them more closely on uh, helping recruit for all of their events throughout the year. Um, I, it's a, an amazing uh, first start to a long-term relationship. Great, great, great Absolutely, relationship. yeah. We're I couldn't we couldn't be any more excited about working with you guys and the synergy created there, and, and basically just trying to become resource resources or, or one resource for anyone who's diagnosed. To, if if they get linked into any one part of this group, they can just learn about all these things. And you know, SD is totally free. There's no catch. We even provide full travel scholarships to anyone who needs them. Well, let me um, clarify. If you're floating down the river and you need some help, they will catch you. That's the catch. <laughs> yeah, we do support you. We don't – yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like you did the hard part. You, you know, you went, you got cancer, you fought it, you survived it, whatever. That's, that's the hard part. This should be easy. You know, come out, enjoy First Ascent. It's free. It's awesome. We, we take a really organic approach to everything. Uh, from a healing standpoint, where I, I, I really believe that um, the catalyst for the healing is it happens on the river, on the rock, and then the rest of the time it's up to you to figure out do you need to talk to other people, connect with people, downtime, whatever. Uh, it's it's pretty unstructured beyond what we do on the rock or the river. That sounds cool, and I think radio's already booked his ticket online with that, Good. With that male-to-female ratio. <laughs> yeah, now, are these girls that are just going to, like, run away, or are they actually going to, like, say, hey, what's going on, and, like, oh, hear dude. me a little bit? As soon as they hear who you are, they're not going anywhere. Brad, I think that hottest bachelor of the year might have something to do with that ratio as well. Oh, jeez. Oh, I mean, we can mix both the, the the best of both worlds because you were Cosmos Bachelor of the Year and I was Mad Magazine's Bachelor of the Year. <laughs> I'll trade you in a heartbeat. I'll trade you for sure. Well, any any, uh, any last thoughts? We got to wrap up. No, man. I just want to say thank you guys for everything you're doing and and for including us in it and. Uh, and um, yeah, it's like I said, we're op- we've got a few of our programs open, so get on there, fill out an application, just go to firstdescents.org. Applications are up. Send it in. It's free. Climbing, rock climbing, mountaineering, all over the country. Love to see you guys. All righty, Brad. You take care of yourself. Give our best to everyone on your team, Lisa Goldstein and uh, Angela, Angela Anna Hansen. Who else? You got a lot of people uh, there, don't you, uh, I- Whitney? <laughs> I'll just, I'll just blast it out for me. They, they're all there. Yeah, Anna, Witt, the whole gang. Fantastic. I'll make sure they know. Keep doing a great job, my friend. We'll see you soon. Cool. Thanks, you guys. Have a good one. All right. Brad well, Levin, everybody. <laughs> and, Matt, you know, sticking with the theme of, like, you know, seeing a beautiful part of the country, um, you know, Make a Dream offers a beautiful part of the country in Montana. Make uh First Ascents, you can go to Utah, you can go to Oregon, Washington, uh, Montana, Colorado. So it's, it's pretty cool. You get to see a part of the world that you never that you never think you'd get to. I have to hear this just one more time. This ever moment is brought to you by Everman Angels. Be well, number one. Okay. Now, do we have to give Johnny a nickel or something every time we play that? every time we do that. <laughs> uh, so, Lisa, how bad do you feel that you're not here tonight? 
I feel pretty bad, but this was a great show. This was a great show. We love doing shows that provide tangible action that our listeners can take. Like immediately go to these websites, sign up for a free event, attend, participate, change your life, meet friends that you'll you'll know forever. Uh, again, I mean, I I've been to them. I Planet Cancer does great retreats too. Jack's been through both First Descents and Can't Make I a Dream. I went within two months yes, of each other. Yes, back to back them, and it was fantastic. And he still has friends. It's amazing. Well, they're obligated to talk to me because of that whole Survivor connection. That's right. We're on the same Facebook group. Well, all right. Well, I guess that was a great show. It was. All right. Well, Lisa, we hope to see you in person in the flesh next Monday. You will? Okay. We'll hold you to it. I I, I might be. I might might be uh, kayaking down the Hudson right up to your uh, studio there. Okay, I'll meet you. Maybe I should wait until the weather gets a little warmer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Look out for Sully landing his plane in the the river. (laughs) Okay, you guys, right, you guys. have yourselves a, a merry little Christmas, and we'll see you back here next Monday. Thanks and, very much uh, listening. And now it's time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. <laughs> That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that's tonight's show. We hope you had much... Yeah. I hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick and sniffing cancer. That's what you're going to sound like when you're sputtering underwater with first descent. I am. Excited. I'd like to thank our guests, Emily Hobson, Dr. Stu Kaplan. What am I missing? We're Beth Jones. Oh, my God. Beth Jones and Brad Ludden, Sexiest Man Alive. I'm, I'm still going to call him that. <laughs> Sexiest Bachelor Alive. Life's Our in-studio guest, my wife, Jess Feldman. The two little things growing inside her. Lisa Goldman, Jamie Doherty. Next week's show, Cancerpreneurs with Darren Newberger, author of Let's Talk About It. Jennifer Benz, founder of Benz Communications and Marisa Marchetto, author of Cancer Vixen. All three young adult survivors. If you missed any of our previous shows, check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com or subscribe to our podcast at itunes.i2y.com. Remember, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week, my friends, live from the chemo deck, Jack Bufard, Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Captain Stooping, and I wish you all a great week. Go to bed screaming. Parker out.